October 21st is the 18th anniversary of Elliot Smith's death. And we kind of, well, Tracy mentioned it in terms of the conspiracy theories that she's interested in. But uh, so I wouldn't say it was a conspiracy, it's not a conspiracy theory. theory. I guess you could just call it a theory that Elliot Smith did not, in fact, kill himself, as was represented yes. by his girlfriend at the time. Yeah. And so we looked into that. Yes. So here you go. Looking into it. <laughs> went down a rabbit hole yeah about elliot smith i i never believed that he killed himself it always seemed fishy to me i would have believed if he fell down the stairs and died but like stabbing yourself in the heart there's just like other ways there's just other ways yeah but it's not impossible not impossible it's certainly a very specific way to do it and it's not common at all it's it's not common and it seems difficult but it does happen it right. has it does happen it has happened yes but will happen again yeah probably <laughs> but there are certain things that the in the coroner's report that the medical examiner noted right that the medical examiner you can tell did not think it was a suicide well that's why it hasn't been ruled a suicide that it's, it's never been ruled open. a suicide the, the case is still open they describe cause of death but not manner of death oh, right okay and usually they say a manner of death as well so i just want to go through walk through but i think that's some important of the facts. i think that's important to keep in mind though when you judge his girlfriend's behavior because she's doing everything she's doing after being basically from jump being put everybody on everybody's suspicion list yes there's the idea that pigeonholing her is misogynist like the way that people have blamed courtney love the death of Kurt yeah, Cobain. I've never blamed Courtney Love for the. I think it would be misogynist to think, oh, she just drove him crazy enough to kill himself. That I think is mis misogynistic but thinking. It, that doesn't have to be like the cause of his suicide, though. No, but that you know is what, I mean? what that's what I think would be misogynist if it was like, oh, she drove him to oh, kill I see, himself. I see. Right, you know right, what I mean? right, right, right. And that, but I don't think it's misogynist to say that to suspect someone of homicide. That's a completely different thing. Right. That's not about like a, you know, stereotypical idea that people have about women or. Well, there is. It is a stereotype. To though. murder? Yeah. Like, like, like the, uh, I don't know, like a black widow, you know, that's basically. Oh, well, uh, but isn't that the trope that's being brought up basically with them? The, you know, professional widow, uh, I guess, as Tori Amos would put it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I never thought that Courtney Love was responsible for Kurt Cobain's death. I'm and just, I don't. I'm saying what people are saying. There are nuances and situations, and I don't think that you can just like, you know, draw anything with one broad stroke. Broad stroke of <laughs> a brush. Right. <laughs> so, Elliot Smith, he died on October 21st, 2003 of two stab wounds to the chest. He was 34, and at the time he had been living with his girlfriend, Jen Chiba, in Echo Park, mm -hmm. California. It's a East LA. Do you want to set up who Elliot Smith was? Oh, you do people? that. That's you're you're good at that. Um well, Rich introduced me to Elliot Smith. I don't know. Not that. the person, the yeah. music. Although I did meet him once because I oh, used to you did. Uh-huh. I oh. used to go to shows so early. So I could like line up to be in front. And I did that with Elliot Smith. I got there like hours early and was the first one. And he came out and I asked him to play St. Ides Heaven. And he was like, because uh, it was four figure eight. Okay. 
but it was he i think he did two tours for that i think he was just touring a lot then so sometimes he was touring with a band and sometimes he wasn't touring with a band i believe that's both times i saw him at the trocadero in philly and also at town hall in new york when it was just him and a guitar Mm -hmm. and he was like well you know it's not really that kind of show we're not really doing that um but then he sang that song at the end and he did it like solo electric which oh. i actually happened to f- have a kind of predilection for I because of billy bragg electric. yes i was just gonna say that and it was, that was a great moment so Elliot, oh liz fair well you don't like liz fair oh, that yeah. much uh there's who else there's like a few other solo electric things that have gotten me there might be a pearl jam song i like that might okay, be solo, solo electric. electric yeah seems like a pearl jam thing yeah, to do there's a couple of pearl jam songs i like a lot pearl jam are just joyless to me it's like not none of it's nice you I mean, know? some of it's earworms it is and it is definitely of course uh yellow lead better is like my i you know, i like yellow lead better but it got airplay it's it was like a known song at least where i grew up and i always thought it was hilarious because it's like him at his most cliched can't understand a word he's singing it's like <laughs> scat singing or i can't even re- you know? i can't even remember what it, how it goes or it's, it's like all ah, i can hear is spider-man oh yeah face isn't that it is that it i think so <laughs> no i don't actually i think i have it wrong i think the song i was singing was not yellow lead better okay Sorry, that's elderly woman behind the counter in a small town from their second album, Verses. Okay. That's the song I liked from there. Okay, back to Elliot Smith. Yeah, so he he came up in the Portland scene. He was kind of distinct in that way. He was compared to Paul Simon a lot when he came out, but he's really way beyond Paul Simon. Very kind of like pretty folk, mostly uh, largely acoustic guitar, but he grew to include a band and kind of branch out genre-wise. But kind of at his root is like this like sad boy, you'd say, singer songwriter thing. Yeah. His like but, depression was just very like his personality was his mental illnesses, basically, like at least his public persona was like I very much associate him with depression and alcoholism. Yeah. Addiction. Definitely. Yes. So there was. Yeah, there was like a lot of he was a little bit of a mess, but his he was also a bit of a mess in his music as well, which does you know has allusions to drug use Mm -hmm. supposedly in heaven adores you which is more or less the most the official elliot smith doc yeah like a lot of people who know him are in it um you know that it's heaven adores you for hay needle in the hay i didn't realize that no (laughs) uh they say that he was singing about doing drugs way before he was doing them Oh, really? Yeah. So they, so it's hard. I mean, Needle in the Hay is a song about shooting heroin that um, was at the beginning of his career. It's on his first official album. It's self-titled. And it that always struck me. I always thought that was super real. I thought I was listening to a heroin addict. I think you know, that and, it probably was. Maybe they meant like he was doing songs like when he was just like coming up in the scene. And and he was also, you know, he had a career with a band, Heat Miser, et cetera. But it all yeah. kind of happened at the same time. Yeah. He was like in like really small bands and then Heat Miser blew up and then he started doing his acoustic stuff basically uh, concurrently with Heat Miser. Yeah. And then he left that and went on to do his more acoustic sort of thing. So he was just sort of unique because he's on Kill Rock Stars, which is kind of like punkish, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, Riot Girl heavy label. But then he was also nominated for an Oscar. And lost to Celine Dion. 
I will go. Well, lost to uh, my heart David will, Foster. My heart will my go. Heart will I go mean, on. how can you wait? Someone, someone else was up against that year that we talked about before. Yeah. What was the other song? Uh, how do I live? How do I live? Yes. Yes. I mean, God, that was a year, great year. Right? Wait, who else was doing it that okay. year? My heart will go on. Titanic. Wait, David Foster didn't. Do my heart will go on? No, it was oh. Diane Warren, wasn't it? No, it was James Horner and Will Jennings. Oh. <laughs> Weird. Okay. I feel like we must have gone over that. I'm sure we did. Anastasia, Journey to the Past. Never heard of it. I mean, it's uh, from, from a cartoon. cartoon movie. Yeah. Stephen Flaherty. Con Air, How Do I Live? Ugh, love that song. Miss Misery. And uh, okay, the other one is Go the Distance from Hercules. So... Three yeah, the two animated, yeah. or, you know, you got to be into the... Not like... And they weren't even... Were those even... They weren't even Disney's. Uh, Hercules. Hercules was Disney? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. they, they just never mentioned that in the parks. So anyway, back to Elliot Smith. Right. He's dead. Yes. So Jennifer Chiba is the woman that he was living with at the time that he died. Uh -huh. He had only been dating her very briefly before that. Like, I... It seems like she tries to make it seem like they were going out for much longer. They met in 99. Right. It kind of sounds like maybe he was like talking to her and then he was going out with this other woman, Valerie Deeran, that he met when he was doing his tour in Europe in 2000. They started a foundation together for abused children mm. to expose abused children to art. Did you do any research on Elliot Smith's abuse? I knew that he was, he says he's sexually abused. Oh, he said he was sexually yes. abused. Yeah. Um, and it's heavily implied that it was his stepfather. Uh, in, in, in Heaven Adores You, which the more I think about it, the more I feel let down by because his sister like refuses. Basically, she's obviously given the question as to why he moved out to Portland from the family house, which he did, a, did at a fairly young age. I mean, I don't I think he was around 18, you know, mm -hmm. youngish to be moving out like that. Maybe even before that. Well, he went to college. Yeah, he went to college and stuff, but he Hampshire. kind of like went far. He did go to Hampshire, but he, you know, when he moved to Portland, it was a thing. Mm -hmm. And the sisters like, you know, it was issues with the stepfather or whatever. He talked about abuse, that he was abused as a child and it was like a huge issue. Right. And, for and, him. and obviously abuse and suicide are linked very strongly. So like, it's also like we're not talking about somebody that when initially reported that he killed himself, anybody was surprised. He had a difficult childhood and a troubled relationship with his stepfather, Charlie Welch. Smith stated he may have been sexually abused by Welch at a young age, an allegation that Welch has denied. Yeah, he said he may have been? Yeah, I mean, that's how trauma works. Oh. By the way, it got to the point at the end of Elliot Smith's career where he was high, obviously high, no matter when... Whether he wrote Needle in the Hay, Totally Sober, or whatever, yeah. at a certain point, he took on that persona yes. and began doing heroin and crack, I read. Crack and uh, heroin were I didn't know about the crack. The heroin, yeah. Things. But he wasn't doing heroin in the years before his death. Uh, I think year before his death. Okay. But supposedly she was? I don't know about the heroin. From what I read, she was in the speed. Okay. But she, but what, from what I, well, but we'll get she into never it. said that. We'll get into this. But we, we should actually say though, that, uh, Jennifer Chiba absolutely has denied any suggestion that she killed Elliot Smith. Yes. Yes. When she, she's spoken very infrequently to the media, but when she has, that's her story and she's sticking to it. 
Elliot was like had this on again off again thing with this woman Valerie, this Scottish woman that he started the uh, the foundation with. Mm-hmm. In 2002, he entered the Neurotransmitter Restoration Center for yeah radical treatment for addiction. That I mean that sounds ridiculous, but also sounds okay. Like I'm open. It, so what it, and it is, worked. Well. So what it's supposed to be is that you're like balancing out your neurotransmitters with like other things like amino acids and stuff. You get like some kind of mix of an IV bag of amino acids. In simplest terms, amino acids are organic types of nutrients. Humans must ingest several amino acids with healthy nutritious choices. The amino acids may create energy or produce proteins. These nutrients right. also play a role in the biosynthesis of GABA and dopamine, as well as other neurotransmitters. So they give you an, I, an IV of this stuff. The thing is, is that what uh, attracted him to this treatment is that it's completely physical and it's not psychological. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to do emotional work. You don't have to, you know, because at a typical rehab, they kind of want to get at the core of the problem, yeah, which is like, you I know, mean, I find it disconcerting if you don't want to do the emotional work. Yeah. You're going to have to at some point. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, yeah. he, he wanted a cure without that. He didn't, I guess he just on, like Elliot. didn't want to like deal with That's whatever it was. So unwise. Right? You know, I thought he knew more about life than that. Seemed to. Actually, I don't know what he's talking about some of the time. A lot of the time. You know what I mean? It's just, it'll just be like a sketch of What's a scene sometimes. What's your favorite of his songs? St. Night's Heaven. Okay. I I really like that. Was it Waltz number two? I forget. Mm-hmm. I yeah, get the no yeah. names mixed up all the time. I never know which one is which. I like a couple of those. Um, yeah. I really like the, the Roman Candle. The Waltz one. Yeah. That's the biggest Hit, I would yeah. say. Well, was not was Miss Misery the biggest hit or the other one? Kind of, but like like EXO took Waltz number two took over kind of just culturally. I think I, I I believe it's his highest streamed track. It's just like you know the weird thing is when I heard that song for the first time, I felt like I had heard it before in a movie trailer. Uh, it's not his most it's not it's not his most streamed song, but it's what's among his most stream between the bars the hell really yeah i guess is it in goodwill hunting i mean that's one of the ones that is that's on either or because goodwill hunting has a ton of elliot smith yes. songs in it right it's Gus Van Sant. say yes is angelus in goodwill hunting as miss, well is miss misery must be right yes that was, he that's, was nominated that was, for right apparently he didn't actually write it for the movie they just said that and he got nominated <laughs> they were like just say that he wrote it for you have to like say that right, he wrote something yeah, for the movie it, it was just like a song he art. had yeah yeah and it worked <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up at the oscars so when he left treatment, when did he leave treatment in 2002, he was still kind of with Valerie. They stayed together in this like cottage that he had in L.A. Mm-hmm. for like maybe a couple weeks after he got out of treatment. And then he left and he went to go stay with his friend who was Jennifer Chiba. And they apparently they were only friends. But then eventually after time, it became romantic. Mm hmm. In November 2002, he and Chiba went to a Flaming Lips concert in L.A. and they got arrested for interfering with a peace officer because like yeah. someone he was like I, I guess Elliot was like against that he was roughing up some teenager. Okay, so Elliot stepped in. To yeah, and then she stepped in, and then drama. Yeah, it was all drama, and then the cop really roughed Elliot up apparently, and he got like a back injury from it. 
and they then got arrested didn't they, they were arrested yeah the thing is so then he ended up getting pain pills for it and he's an addict and any addict would know that you can't take the pain pills like especially just getting out of treatment right and he did he did yeah so who knows so if, what he was off and on the last year of his life that's what is that seems what, like he just got back on the pain pills well because but there was no uh, oh uh okay uh there were drugs found in his system though but they weren't opioids right they were like anti-anxiety then he went to go play with these shows with john spencer blues explosion uh-huh. starting in january 2003 so this is a few months after this cop incident so he'd been on pills for a little bit apparently they were both concerned that he was starting to take the pain pills who who's they he and jennifer because of his addiction issues oh but who said it though it's in this book elliot smith and the big nothing okay. by benjamin nugent they were Is he like using anonymous sources or like what's the no, how's he talks, it? To, he people. talks to people who yeah, knew him yeah okay so all right he talks to this one guy andrew okay. morgan a lot okay. who was like his very close friend in la in like the last year that he was right. alive yeah he would like sometimes lend him money like that kind of friend right so it's credible yeah it feels credible it's credible it's i mean this book is very positive it does not go after jennifer chiba at all it right. never implicates her it never accuses her of murder or anything like that yeah but it does say that they that he started taking the pills and you know i witnessed him at blues explosion so he wasn't on a full tour with them he was he played with them in january and then he played with them in march and then in the summer when i saw him when he couldn't even play he wasn't even playing he couldn't he couldn't finish a song yeah and i went with christina martinez who's john spencer's wife because i used to work with her at bust she told me that he was a mess backstage but she said it was booze okay she said they were all drinking backstage it was like a real big like and that's kind of seems supported in this book uh-huh elliot smith and the big nothing he like one of his friends who lived in jersey city would come and see him in New York whenever he was in New York. And she said that she was really upset with the blues explosions influence on him. Uh-huh. And he, she thought that they were enabling him drinking because they would all go out to bars after the show. I mean, of course they would. Yeah. What are they, I mean, are they, is the rock band not going to do that? I mean, they're, yeah, but I will say that like, also at this point, like John and Christina were very much like, you know, had like a family and their and their son was like probably like eight or something at this time. So he wasn't like they weren't like crazy wild partiers. They right. were fun people. Right. But like it may have been the other guys that were doing it. Yeah. And Either also, way, you know, they're a rock. They're a rock band. Yeah. So and like also, bare like, minimum going to a bar. Someone and is, Smith knows it's this. not like they're holding a gun to their to his head and forcing him. Well, like he can the leave tour. and what go home. Expect? Yeah. He can go back to his hotel. But that was kind of the state that he was in. So if they're saying that he was drinking and, you know, we know or we hear in the book that he also is taking pills, like that's a messy combo. Right. So and that's why I thought he was going to die after I saw him and I saw how much of a mess he was. He couldn't even finish a single song. Yeah. And then was he, he talking like, between the songs too? Was he like acknowledging in the beginning, it? In the beginning, yeah. And then it just got like, it just was like, devol- it devolved okay. over time. So he just would play a bit of a song and then yeah, move on, he's try like, again. I can't, I can't. Because people would like, be like cheering him yeah. to like, keep going right. or like restart and sometimes he would and then other times he just wouldn't. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it was such a disaster. Yeah. Was he playing by himself? Yes, he was okay. by himself. He was just sitting on a chair. Okay. And the, yeah, that's the other thing. He wasn't standing. Right. <laughs> he was sitting. Yeah. Well, it no, made, he did that a lot. Yeah. That was um, part of his aesthetic. Yes. From my personal observation of seeing him and 
other accounts, it does seem like he was a mess. Right. <laughs> he was not sober. Right. In the months leading up to his death, at least. Okay. It seems like he was kind of sober for, a, and they all, all the different accounts that I've read online and in this book all seem to say that he was really committed to his sobriety like right after he got out of rehab, but then eventually, and then I think the thing with the cops in his back, and then it just like fell apart from there. But there were no narcotics found in his system at the time of no, death. So are we wasn't. to assume um, at least a month before that he wasn't using? Well, so was he on another life, upswing? What's the half life of like a some like opiates? I think it would. I uh, I think it, it was like be a month to stay out of your system. How long would it take? I don't know. Let's see. I thought it was within thirty days. One to nine hours. Really? There's no traces of opiates at all? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, really? Codeine is three hours. I mean, Hydrocodone and acetaminophen is four hours. Most of the time, heroin is no longer detectable in a person's urine after just two days. Yeah. However, certain tests have been known to have a positive result for this drug for up to seven days. So, okay. He wasn't high when he died. Yeah. Okay. But it doesn't really speak to his overall Pattern. sobriety. Yeah, okay. You know? I, I didn't realize that. So It's been sold a little bit like he was cleaning up. I mean, I feel like that's the impression that I got. I, that's what she says. Okay. And some people were like, yeah, he was like really motivated. The way that they phrase it in this book was that his sobriety was edging toward the top of his priority list. <laughs> Okay. For a t for a period. Okay. And then it wasn't at all. Mm. In the time leading up to his death, there was this guy Andrew Morgan that was really good friends with Elliot that mm. talks to Ben Nugent in this book. He talks to Ben Nugent a lot in this book, and he was a good friend of his. He lived in L.A., and he said that in the last like months of his life, he was never able to get Elliot on the phone. He always only spoke to Chiba, mm -hmm. like she was like kind of like the gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. So he also said that she was always, every time they talked, she was like, oh, he's healthy. We're healthy. Everything's going fine. We're sober. She got um, arrested for a DUI on August 30th, 2003, just a few months before he killed himself. Okay. Who knows if she was sober that week, but it just doesn't seem, and no, everybody that's been interviewed, it seems like in the circles, people around, they said they find it very hard to believe that she would be sober, that she had quit her partying. I heard the schism described as like he was trying to say sober mm -hmm. she wasn't i mean i don't know there's so many different so many like so many people have an opinion about their life and relationship yeah i wish i mean everybody was like paying attention to elliot smith you know well here's they the were thing. like all in his business i know well i because guess he also shared and it was kind of explosive and you couldn't and miss I, it I, yeah it seemed really dramatic and he was always making a scene like getting really fucking wasted right. in places and then when pe when he wasn't doing that people were like oh he must be doing better right and like, you couldn't help but notice what his state of course was. well he's beloved anyway so yes. like people are going to be looking at him and then what he shows you is that and it's like whoa the last 14 months of his life were spent living with jennifer and initially they weren't dating and then they began dating. And during that entire time, he kept going to New York. And when he was going to New York, he kept telling his different friends, people that he worked with, he wanted to move back to New York. And that's where he wanted to be. He hated L.A. He was so over L.A. Also, he felt like L.A. cops were corrupt mm. and bad at their jobs, mm -hmm. which seeing how things turned out with his death investigation mm. <laughs> seems like maybe, wow. you know. Friends and part of his circle, according to this book and according to like other 
accounts I read online. There's this woman, Allison Camus. Mm-hmm. She's been maintaining this blog called rocknyc.live. And she has been like heavily documenting and reporting on the Elliot Smith stuff, like real reporting, like really talking to people and everything. Yeah, she saw, has a book coming out. Okay. A lot of this information comes from her and her sources. Mm, I have I have something that um, actually she took down or something. Uh, I found an archive. Oh, thing. really? But it was actually just like super gossipy and I didn't oh, care that it? much. Just love- people talking shit about Jennifer. About Jennifer, yeah. Yeah. She seems to have been a, a, I don't know, dramatic figure at the very least. Yes. A, a of, lightning rod. A lot of drama dated, was swirling around her. She had dated Rivers Cuomo. She's a musician herself. Yes. So She's in a band called Happy Endings. Yes. She was born in Japan, was raised in Texas. She's half Japanese. A lot of Pinkerton was inspired by her. Uh-huh. Um, there's a couple songs, a couple Weezer songs that are about her. I believe that there's one Rivers wrote after Elliot's death as well. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Like a cheer up kind of thing. Uh, oh, for her? Mm-hmm. She claims that they had been together for 10 years. She and Rivers? Yes. He says 1992 to 1995. Okay. In the liner notes of Alone 2, which is his home recordings yes. album. Because he's released like so many Oh my God. Songs. He just like he never stops making them. songs. So this is in the liner notes. Since late 92, through many of the difficult days of playing the clubs in LA with Weezer, Jennifer Chiba had been my kind of girlfriend. What do you like? Kind of girlfriend. All right. But that could be like fuckboy shit. Yeah. I had benefited greatly from her care. And yet I had always kept my heart hard to her, believing that if Weezer did make it, I would want to be free for the many superior options I imagine would be available <laughs> to me. He's Damn, just, real honest. My God. I know. It's <laughs> a really laying it bare. <laughs> now... In the summer of 94, as Weezer was indeed starting to make it, Chiba said she would resist me because of my refusal to commit. But whenever Weezer came through town, I called her up looking for a place to stay because I was no longer renting an apartment. And she gave in, letting me into her heart and home. In mid-July, when Weezer came to L.A. to record some B-sides, Michael and Carly, Suzanne, and my Eveline, I stayed with her. We had an argument. She wanted more commitment, and I wanted continued freedom. At the end of the work period, I flew back to my mom's house in Connecticut, and on July 14th, wrote a song called I'll Think About You that I hoped captured the pain and conflict of my situation with Chiba. They had, it seems like, a some tumult there. Yeah. He really went in deep with that one. I know. <laughs> I kind of want to read all the liner notes. Like, he must have... Just, Did he do that for every song? I don't know. I mean, I, th- I guess this is why he annoys people now. You know? <laughs> I kind of like it. I well, like that he's open like that. You know, Pinkerton has a lot of naysayers, like a feminist the, reading is it's anti-feminist, I know. basically. I know. Yeah. He seemed like the original incel. Yeah. he did, But also, he was clearly getting laid. And he was keeping his options open. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he knew for exactly. superior options. Yeah. I mean, for him to put it in that, that's... I mean, he's being really honest. Yes. With I think he's, like, trying to show that he was being an asshole. Like, I think, right? I would assume so. Yeah. But he's also being kind of cavalier about mm-hmm. it, you know? There have been different accounts of Jennifer Chiba being a quote-unquote knife freak, uh-huh. according to Allison Camus. Really? There was one incident 
this is a different incident. This is a different person that was talking to Allison Camus. Mm. There was one sound engineer that told Allison Camus, a sound engineer working on Elliot's album at the time. Mm. He said that Elliot had gone missing for like two to three days okay. at one point. And they were like, well, what the hell? And then he, when he finally turned up, when he reemerged, he said that he had gotten in an awful fight with Chiba. And that she had chased him around the house with a knife. Okay. That's what the sound engineer said. So take that as it, whatever. Right. Uh, one of her bandmates left her band because of her knife play. Really? Yes. Okay. That's weird. Right? Like, how, how much you playing with knives Although, that you freak uh, someone yeah. out? Yeah. I mean, just the I fact would be that, like that if someone had a gun. Well, the fact that she had a thing like that at all is kind yeah. of... You know, and then her boyfriend killed himself with a knife, mm -hmm. supposedly by her telling. So, and then, again, she does have a lot of enemies. So, like, there's always the element of, like, are people, you know, sensationalizing this? Are they exaggerating it because they don't like her? Because, you know, there's the, there's the concept of gilding the lily, sure. which is what I think uh, happened with um, making a murderer, Stephen, what's mm -hmm. his name? What's his name? Stephen Avery? Stephen Avery. Is right. it Stephen yes, Avery? Yes, you got it. Wow. Yeah, that's, good for uh, you. Look my at that. God. You know, I think that he did do it, but I think the cops also like planted shit and made it look. Oh, so. So it was like an airtight case against him. Yeah, because they. But, well, the first time he didn't do it. And then the second time he did. And they they may have also planted evidence to strengthen the case because they hated him so much. And they wanted to make sure. Yeah, there was beyond reasonable doubt. I don't think that this is like a Yoko thing. Where people are like putting the blame on her. You know what I mean? I think that people yeah. just were like had interactions with her and they were like, she's not cool. Because it, it's like laid back like California. Portland people. Yeah. Portland. It's weird, you know. They, it just to me, it just makes it like a stronger story, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. Like because. Or presents more to chew on or, yeah just it, it's it's a it's a shady story no matter it's a shady story there is a woman who owned a studio the recording studio in the same building that elliot was renting his from so uh -huh. and they shared a wall and they shared a parking lot and after he died she started doing a blog she wrote out all of her dealings with him and with jennifer she doesn't name jennifer she just calls her the force mm -hmm. and she clearly hated her. They and have, you're, you're, you're absolutely sure it's her because that's the girlfriend in his life that he would have been fighting with. Yes, or it, it's, right. it's so obvious that it's her. Yeah. She said, there's a dark force in Elliot Smith's life and it wasn't drugs or depression as far as I could tell. Mm -hmm. They had like a bunch of like tiffs and run-ins like she never had issues with Elliot. She said they always had good interactions. He was really sweet to her. She said mm -hmm. she was, he was very gentle. And then, according to her, the force would come around and the force would be, you know, screaming and ranting and like always complaining about something and then like freaked out because she wanted to park in the spot next to Elliot's spot. But it's reserved for Caroline. Yeah. Caroline's clients. Oh, her clients. They, they each get one parking spot and Caroline doesn't park there so that her clients who rent the studio can park there. Right. And so one of the clients was parking there and... Jennifer like freaked out and she's like, I'm Elliot Smith's girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. Like I get a parking spot, like acting a bit Courtney Lovish. Right. It sounds like. Right. But she wasn't without Courtney the, Love. Exactly. Yeah. 
without that flair, without right. that genius. Yeah. So they had like a lot of back and forth about the parking spot it had been like an issue, blah, blah, blah. There was like some other issue where like security guards were called to the place and Jennifer was having like security guards like watch the studio for a while. It like made no sense. It was just like weird behavior. And the security guards contacted her in the middle of the night, Caroline. And so she thought something had happened down at the studio. So she like went down there and, it, and then the force came out and was screaming at her like, this doesn't involve you. It's none of your business. Um, and she wrote her this like apology note that was really mean and it made Caroline cry. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline cried in front of Jennifer and Elliot because I guess she said she was really intimidated by Jennifer or the force. And I don't know. She just was mean enough to her that she, and she cried. It was like uncomfortable mm. the way that she was behaving. So then after he died, she had called his lawyer because she had known his lawyer because Jennifer had gotten the lawyer to contact her about the parking spots. Okay. So then she called the lawyer and she was like, is it true? Did he really die? And he said, yes. And then she was like, okay, can you contact his family and tell them that they need to get put an extra lock on this um, door? I'll do it for them if they want because um the force might come and take stuff uh-huh. and they should you should really secure this stuff that's here and he was like okay i'll tell them and then for some, whatever reason they couldn't legally do it oh they couldn't add another lock so does it have to do with jennifer's right to that space no okay it's just because it wasn't it wasn't hers whatever the case they couldn't get the lock on in time okay jennifer came the night after elliot died so it was like a day and a half after right. elliot died and took everything out of the studio right. and packed it in vans. And Caroline contacted the family and they were really upset because they came later that day. So she had beat them by a few hours uh-huh. to the spot and took everything. So this woman, Caroline, said in her blog, she said, I knew the force would come before the family. I just knew it. And the second night after Elliot's death at about 12 a.m. in the morning, the force came in a Jeep with two guys. My partner saw them. And I had gone outside to say goodbye to him. And he told me as soon as I spoke to him, he said he had seen the force coming out of the gate. But hearing my voice, the force went back inside and didn't come out for 20 minutes. I sat in the car with my partner directly facing the car. And finally, the force came out and put many boxes into the car with the help of the guys. I felt like protecting Elliot. What if it's his music or writing? What if it's something that people need to see? We stared at them as they file as they filled the back of the car. I wanted them to know that I was watching. I wanted to scream, you did it. You killed him. I knew you were a dark force. Wow. Wrote that in the, in the in her blog. Jesus. She said, the next day I received two stop checks from Elliot's management company. Both Elliot and our studio ran off of one meter. So each month it was agreed Elliot would pay us one third of the electricity, which was usually around $170. He paid it every month. No problem. It was written in both of our leases this way and he never failed to pay. I thought maybe because of his death, they stopped the payments. And then I looked at the stop date, which was maybe five days before he died. Why would he stop payments or whoever, the force, who knows, stop payments five days before he died? He had just signed a new lease on the property. He was going to be there. Why had the payments been stopped? This is very strange. Who did this? Did he do this and why? It doesn't make any sense. How verified, how sure are we that this person That's, was there? This is, this is Car- This is the woman, Caroline. She owns the, the But how do studio. we know it's her though and not somebody like cosplaying her? Allison Camus she, she has spoken out. to her. Okay. Yeah. All so right. it's like, it's her, it's her 
it's her okay. thing. I mean, right. she like talks about like the address, the number of their rooms and blah, blah, blah. Like it's pretty, it seems solid. Yeah, okay. And the, the stories are just so like, some of them are so boring uh-huh. and like uh-huh. very like an exact, like, like if I was so pissed at someone was like, like my neighbor, it was like, if I was like elaborating on a fight Petty. to me and my neighbor, yeah. yeah, no one else gives a shit. Right. Like that kind of stupid stuff that yeah. she was very into. Right. <laughs> um, there's this guy that Allison came as talk to Jerry Shanekoff. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Mm. Jerry Shanekoff. He was Elliot's drug counselor. Mm. He works at a um, treatment center. Mm -hmm. He's a director of a treatment center. He actually, I looked into him. He is a director of a treatment center. He he was very involved in Scott Weiland trying to get him sober. Mm -hmm. Um, He's like, you know, I guess known among like rock stars. So he told Allison that Elliot said that the relationship between he and Jennifer Chiba began because she was his drug dealer. And she was his connection to get drugs in L.A. So I don't know if she was really his dealer. Whatever the case, she was, according to his drug counselor, she was facilitating him getting drugs. She had a hookup. In L.A. Yeah. You know, he was supposed to be staying with her to like to rest and recuperate. And, you know, he just got out of rehab. And this was after the neurotransmitter replacement surgery. And he was still getting his neurotransmitter treatments at her place so he was still getting these ivs apparently he was like extremely physically weak after all of this but also there's some like weird shit with the doctor who administered his treatment at the neurotransmitter place uh jerry shanoff is not from that place jerry shanoff was his drug counselor so there's this guy who like ran the neurotransmitter restoration center which is in texas dr hit h-i-t-t In 1987, a Houston judge shut down three clinics operated by HIT and forbade them to treat allergies and AIDS symptoms by injecting patients with urine. According to court records, the assistant attorney general said she sought injunction because she felt the treatment was dangerous. Wait, I'm sorry. This is the elect- this is the neurotransmitter people? Yes. This okay. is the so- neurotransmitter people that Elliot like had this like crazy treatment that didn't involve psychological... Right. therapy didn't invite involve psychology it was just a physical treatment so it was like it's quackery uh it seems like it but uh, you know so this is this guy's past he was treating aids patients with injecting them with urine what's his name dr hit i see this referred to as dopamine therapy was it dopamine therapy that he got because yeah, that, that's yeah. what that's what I mean, the amino acids thing is supposed to do it's supposed to like give you dopamine supposedly it's it, it is effective Yes, therapy. but here's the thing is this doctor that he went to, <laughs> Dr. Hit. Right. What maybe wasn't doing it right. They it said was that they can't, based it on some they kind can't of... tell what was actually in his bag, okay. his IV bag okay. that he was giving him. Wow. Because there was a lot of code violations. He has this long rap sheet okay. of like history of like injecting people with urine and shit like that. Right. So, but, okay. So this, this therapy does exist. However, we don't know whether Elliot Smith was actually getting, getting it proper properly. Th- well, also, I, I would think that the proper treatment involving that therapy would also involve psychological therapy yeah i mean i would assume so yes it would be a holistic approach would be the best way to do it like you take care of the medical part and then you have to like get at the actual root of the problem that's causing you to be an addict that's like caught driving you to drink or driving you to like you know try to dissociate you don't it doesn't even have to go in that path it's just to understand your behavior and your power that you do have over your life like what you have power over and what you don't have power over and striking that balance, you know? I also want to point out this guy, Dr. Hit, had like clinics in Tijuana that were raided. Okay. Like, so even in Tijuana, it was dirty. Right. He was dirty. 
But anyway, Jerry Shankoff was not part of that, but he was his drug counselor and he claimed that she was one of his connections for drugs and that's how their relationship started. Right. So the death. So here's the death according to her. Uh Uh-huh. So according to Chiba, they were fighting. She locked herself in the bathroom to take a shower. She said she heard him scream. And when she opened the door, she saw him standing with a knife in his chest. And she pulled the knife from his chest and then he collapsed. And she called 911. Yes. And then tried to do CPR. By her telling, she pulls the knife from his chest. Yes. Which she should not have done. Yeah. People have pointed out that the, she was working with kids at the time or something. Yes. And that as an art therapist. So she had to know CPR and certain procedural stuff that she should have been at least familiar enough with the workings of the body to know not to take out a weapon. Yeah. Probably. Like, yeah. She should have learned that at some point. I also think right, real. And, and also what I read is that had the knife not been taken out, he could have survived. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 say that in uh in the book and in the like coroner's report basically. Yeah. All right, imagine that someone did that. So, imagine like someone killed themselves while you were in the bathroom, like right. your lover, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You open the My door. Boyfriend. Yeah. And <laughs> Like, would you fucking pull the knife? I, I feel like I would be so freaked out that I wouldn't touch anything. I would call 911 because I'd be so afraid I would fuck something up or I would, you know what I mean? I don't even, I think I would be so grossed out to have to pull it out because I would be probably, yeah, you but know. You know, people have different responses. People have different trauma, responses, but you know? imagine having to pull it out of bone. It's, it's a very extreme scraping. act. Yeah. To your point, it's this like you have it's, to really pull on it. Like you'd have to pull hard to pull it out, right? Also, because keep in mind that to stab oneself in the chest in that way is such an extreme way to die that it's like a real kind of like operatic yes. thing that's going on. Yes. It, it, it's really just dramatic. This this is a it's a really intense way to die, and then it's an intense response to it, and everything led up to it was intense, and then everything after it has been intense. Yes, she has two different stories. I actually. heard she has changing stories. So Jennifer's two different versions of the story is that, or at least the two different versions I noticed that were different, was that she heard him scream. She opened the door, and he was standing there. She was in the shower. Yeah, was st- and he had the knife in his chest. Yes, and then she pulled it out, and then he collapsed. Another version is that she came out of the shower. He was on the floor with the knife in oh, his chest. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And she found him on the floor. That's weird. So I thought that was weird, the, the, that discrepancy. I mean, because you, you understand that things change. You know, the, tra- the traumatized mind is really unreliable. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things about a situation like that that you would expect consistency and how I found my dead boyfriend. If he collapsed or he was on the ground when you found him, like collapsing seems like it's such a, like if, you know, you pull the knife out and then he collapsed, like that's... Um, um, you know, unless she was really high or something, you okay. know? Yeah, that's also a possibility. I mean... Just in my opinion, I think it's very convenient that she had taken a shower, that she was clean. Oh, at the time of the suicide. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. If if she did stab him and pulled it out, she could have really, like, she could have called 911 and then quickly before they got there, because it took them a little bit to get there. 
there is an unaccounted period of time when a shower could have been yes. taken and been have 20 been minutes sold at least it may have been as a half having, hour you know yes. come just before mm-hmm. then elliot went to the hospital he died an hour later in surgery all right so then according to the medical examiner the coroner's report this is exactly how they phrase it an undated possible suicide note was located at the scene it contained the phrases i'm sorry and god forgive me so then the report describes the two different stab wounds and going into detail of like the angle they went in and blah, blah, blah. How many inches? It was an eight inch knife. Yeah. And it went all the way in basically. Well, the first one was two inches or something like that, which is considerable, you know, if you think about it. Yeah. And then the second one was much further from what I understand. But this is obviously an, an idiosyncratic way to kill oneself. And so that's part of the suspicion mm-hmm. that like it just seems to many unlikely that one would be able to succeed yeah. in killing themselves this way. in this way with no hesitation marks as well. That's mm-hmm. another thing that's extremely notable. So Allison Camus, she said that she talked to Dr. Shinen, who performed the autopsy for about 20 minutes, and she said there were elements compatible with self-infliction, but other elements rare in the case of suicide. No mm-hmm. hesitation marks, stabbing through clothes. Stabbing through clothes. And also two possible defense cuts on his palm and right arm. That's why the case is still undetermined. This was three years ago, I believe. It's difficult to be sure just based on the forensic data. Still, when you add it all, the case becomes a statistical oddity. I've read that the direction of the wounds is a poor indicator of whether it is suicide or murder. There are a lot of variations. Yeah, the direction of the wounds doesn't, like, it wouldn't rule either out. Right. The report, it describes the two wounds, but then it describes something called other sharp force injuries. And it says on the media right arm between the bicep and tricep, Mm -hmm. there is a three eighths inch linear superficial incised wound on the skin surface. The edges are not abraded, meaning that they're not from friction or erosion. And they're surrounded by a small number of contusion, which means so it's not that deep. It's a slice and it was done with force because it left a bruise. It left some contusion around Mm it and it's on his right arm. And he was right-handed. Is he going to hit himself with a knife in the arm? That seemed like something where someone was trying to hit you and they kind of got you with the knife a little bit, but it was like a defensive thing. But do we know for sure that this is a result of that particular incident or could it, was it have fresh. been it was fresh? A, it was fresh. Okay. It was part of this incident, the, okay. according to the medical Couldn't examiner. Couldn't have been a bruise, some kind of other struggle No, that it was a fresh, before. open, sliced wound. It wasn't an abrasion. It wasn't like a okay, scar. It wasn't a scabby thing. That's the defense yeah. that they were talking about. So then it said on the volar left thenar eminence. Okay. <laughs> so that is the mound underneath your thumb okay where on your on your on your palm it's like if your thumb was pregnant that would be or if your thumb had a fupa that would be it right (laughs) (laughs) i think think thumb fupa is accepted by the medical community (laughs) (laughs) so that had a shallow incised wound on his left hand and the edges were not abraded so that was also like a, a clean slice. Mm. So if someone held up their left hand, if someone went like this, they held up their left hand and their right hand kind of together and you kind of put your like hand over your arm, your your, your bicep, like mm-hmm. over the top of your arm, like that's kind of like, that's like a flinch to me. That's like a, if someone's like hitting you or right. trying to hit you, that's no. what that says to me. Yes. And, and again... They could have had a kind of back and forth with the knife and then she put it down, went into the bathroom and he did it. You know what I mean? So like 
That's a possibility. Yeah. I'm saying, though, that I don't think that he inflicted that wound on his right, the upper, his upper right arm because he was right handed. That yeah, makes it sound, no sense. It sounds like not, but I'm just saying there is even. Yeah, but a, there's that. There's a version of the story in which sure. she did do that wound, but not the actual killing. Sure, wound. but he didn't do that wound himself. Is right. the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. There's so, some kind of violence um, happening. I, another thing to keep in mind, and this is from The Guardian, Alex. How do you say his name? I, I mean, he's such a great writer. He's just. Who? Alex Petridis. I think Petridis is right. Well, he's great. And he wrote a great story about Elliot Smith. And there was stuff in there that I hadn't seen elsewhere. And I didn't do a huge deep dive, like not nearly what you did, but I did look up stuff today. And he said, according to some of Smith's friends, that description of a potential suicide that Elliot Smith would do Mm -hmm. fits. Indeed, he may have tried to kill himself in this way before, possibly in 1997. His producer, Larry Crane, remembers Smith showing him a pretty bad scar on his chest. When he moved to New York, he told another friend that he spent his nights walking along empty subway mm. tracks. Yes. So, again, the idea of Elliot Smith killing himself did not seem far off at all. Yes. And in fact, he had talked about it Suicidal before. ideation, sure, yes. But I will say that the coroner did a full like body scan mark like every tattoo every mm-hmm. mark every mark on the body like and even didn't find that thing no huh even like pointed out like older bruises bruises that were in the phases of healing um scabs on his knees that he had or, or i'm sorry scabs that he had on his shins yeah, oh the other thing that circling said, back with larry crane <laughs> so this other thing was other injuries and there was a small abrasion and contusion on the right knee and a small abrasion with contused edges at the right elbow, meaning that he probably fell right to the right. I'm thinking of it like this. If I'm if I'm like trying to do like the physical recreation, he would be like having his left hand palm out in front of like his right shoulder bicep uh-huh. area and having his other hand up and falling to the right onto his knee and onto his elbow like that's what it seems like what do you mean if he killed himself that way no this that's physically it seems like what happened how his injuries were sustained like if he's being attacked and he's going like this and then he falls down that way he could have been stabbed while he was lying on his back it, they said that he could have been stabbed while no he was that's lying what on his it back? sounds like to me like no they don't say what how he was stabbed but it but I also they said where he was stabbed no in the no, autopsy when report? he's lying on his back not like when, when he's, he's lying on his yeah. back i see i see it does no, like, he's like not standing, in the back like he could I have fall like yes. he could have been attacked hit fell over that way and then she could have like stabbed him okay that's a possibility that's a possibility a, you know that courtney love called elliot smith's the best suicide i ever heard of Apparently, sounds like her. It does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is the last paragraph of the coroner's report. Cause of death is stab wounds to the chest. The mode of death is undetermined at this time. While history of depression is compatible with suicide, and the location and direction of the stab wounds are consistent with self-infliction, several aspects of the circumstances as are known at this time, are atypical of suicide and raise the possibility of homicide. Right. These include the absence of hesitation wounds, stabbing through clothing, and the presence of small incised wounds on the right arm and left hand, possible defensive wounds. Mm -hmm. 
Additionally, the girlfriend's reported removal of the knife and subsequent refusal to speak with detectives are all of concern. After the initial statement she gave to the police. Yes, she refused to talk to them, the detectives. Never again, but she did talk to them once. Well, when they arrived on the scene, I think. Yeah, yeah. Since a complete knowledge of the circumstances surrounding the stabbing is lacking, the mode will remain undetermined until such time as sufficient additional information becomes available. Which is to say that the coroner has left the cause of death undetermined and a suicide is not a sure thing. Is not ruling out homicide. Not ruling out homicide. And that is the way it's remained to this day. Yes. At the memorial service, in an account that was given to Allison Kamen, a professional acquaintance of Elliot's, said that Chiba showed up uninvited. As my partner at the time put it, she brought darkness to the celebration. He said, there was only one person that didn't seem affected or saddened. He even added that Chiba was downright cheery and laughing. It was unsettling and odd to the rest of us that were absolutely shocked. He also heard many rumors regarding this tragic day that he was willing to share. I've heard all kinds of things regarding that fateful day. He had or was going to break things off with her because she was so controlling, but unfortunately, as she's the only survivor of that relationship, she ultimately has the ability to control the narrative for now. I had also heard about the fight they had that day, which is probably the biggest reason besides her starfucker <laughs> besides her starfucker status that I question anything she says. That was not the only time I heard starfucker mm-hmm. in sure. reference to her. I normally would really dismiss that like right off the bat if someone was saying that about a woman yeah as like you know a reason to dislike her or whatever but in the, in these terms it seems like sort of like a climbery thing and i mean ins- she was a musician insinuating you know? herself all i'm saying is she like you know she was in those circles you know label somebody a star fucker like there's probably part of that yeah but she's also like you know you date who LA. you're around yeah and she it made herself yeah, you could argue that she like put herself in. in, in she insinuated you know. herself into. She insinuated things. herself, sure. And it didn't seem. I like mean, I guess. I mean, I don't. It. I have That's no true. idea how like what the mechanics were really. Yeah. But the acrimony with the family began really early on, obviously, because of this coroner's report. And because they showed up to the studio. Yes, and there's and the studio it was thing. wiped out. It was cleaned out, and she took everything. But then there was another thing where like the estate released a statement because Elliot Smith's girlfriend claimed his family knew the truth about Elliot's death. Uh, This was in January. The death was in October. A lawyer representing Smith's estate issued a statement on Wednesday, January 14th, 2004, stating that no one should speak for Smith's family regarding his death. Elliot's family has every confidence that the ongoing investigation will determine the actual circumstances of Elliot's death until such time as their investigation has concluded. However, and especially in light of the recently published coroner's report, Mm -hmm. Neither Elliot's family nor anyone else can claim to know, quote, the truth about Elliot's death and any statement to the contrary mischaracterizes the family's position. She ends up suing them later that year. July 2004, she files a lawsuit. It's not even in the ground a year. Yeah. Yeah. Against Marta Greenwald, Elliot's stepmother and administrator of his estate for more than a million dollars. Because essentially she's suing for like widow's rights. The complaint of the lawsuit was breach of oral contract as Chiba declared she and Elliot had entered into an oral agreement and had allegedly allegedly agreed to live together, cohabitate and combine their efforts and earnings. 
share equally any and all property accumulated as a result of their efforts, whether individual or combined, and hold themselves out to the public as husband and wife. Okay, here's my thing about that. Already, you are well aware that people think you killed him. Let's say you're totally innocent and you did not do that. You still know that a lot of people think that. And the coroner did like a wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. You did it. (laughs) For you to do anything in public that would add to that suspicion, like maybe presenting this scenario in which you fucked up what you were trying to do so much because you didn't marry him before you did it. If in fact you did it. Yeah. And now you're trying to like force it as though you did because you, I mean like what is the thinking here from, I mean the thing from is, any angle, from even if she didn't innocent, do it, not, if she didn't do it and she was wrongly accused and blah, blah, blah. And she, just let it go away. She just let still it go. shouldn't be doing that. Exactly. It's just so let it go away. Disrespectful. It's to his family. And also it just like, I mean, why would you, why would you risk it? Like, yeah. are, you don't you have any shame? It doesn't seem like she does. Uh, just the idea that you should. Yeah. Well, listen to this part of the complaint. The complaint claims Smith promised to provide for Chiba's financial needs and support for the rest of her life in exchange for her domestic services as his homemaker, housekeeper, cook, secretary, bookkeeper, and financial counselor, foregoing any independent career opportunities. Was trying so there were there was like a law put in place in probably like the seventies or mm-hmm, something for, right. for women for alimony yeah for for house homemakers mm-hmm. to sue their husbands yeah, because they had made this life for them and they that was their work and, and that was expected of them and now they're however many years old don't have a career yes but is this her I don't think so they were together for like a well, year she it sounds like you know oh she put her career on pause for him she like, had no fucking career i mean like she had I like mean, one album that is and she was in her 30s to such, have one album it's just such a stretch to, yeah. to say that you did that if you did that is because you wanted to do that and felt like also, it was more advantageous for you to do that also elliot had to borrow money from this guy andrew morgan to pay his elect- electric bills to pay uh-huh. the different bills that he owed on his studio because right. he didn't have money coming in because he it was horrible with money uh-huh, and he would could make money really really easy by going on tour so mm-hmm. he would do like a couple dates here and there and he could actually be like raking it in mm-hmm. but he didn't want to be out on tour so he would like put like just perform whenever he needed some cash right so he didn't like have money to promise her financial and financial freedom for the rest of her life Uh he didn't have that right right right. yeah so do we know how much he was worth when he died i don't think he no i don't we don't know but like considering that he was borrowing money from his friend right and he was just finishing this album that he was planning on fucking dreamworks over and was gonna he wanted to release it on kill rock stars 4k Yeah. yeah he was like i'm not giving this to them right so he, wa- he wasn't really interested in making money, and I don't think he was making a lot of money. Oh, right, because he was mad because he didn't feel like Figure 8 was properly promoted. Yeah. Because XO actually sold 400,000 copies. Like that's, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. It, like it, I don't think it particularly charted high. I think it was just like a slow burn. A lot of it had to do with the Oscars. Yeah, but also, you know, he, he probably didn't do a lot to promote it either, to do like the right marketing. Like, would he have been like a good... Could they have promoted figure eight given his state? You mean? Yeah. Or just the fact that he like, like didn't even want to do the Oscars. 
No. Thought he talked about how it was like funny and like I mean I don't know. I thought that his like anxiety had made it so that he was really nervous about doing the Oscars. No, he wasn't nervous apparently, Uh-oh. but apparently he lied and told Celine Dion he was to tell her what she wanted to hear. Oh. But he wasn't nervous at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, that's in the documentary too because it was that's it was like great. yeah for, they went behind madonna because he it was with his old girlfriend his, so they went behind madonna so there were no pictures of them she said and then celine dion came up backstage and was like are you nervous <laughs> and he just told her yes because it's what she wanted to hear <laughs> i love that yeah so this lawsuit dragged on for years this one that's she, filed against the family in, in, in august, 2004 said, august of 2004 july, july 2004, 2004. It went on for years. She was dragging out, adding amendments. She added an, an amendment. She said that um, the agreement was also stipulating that she would be his manager and agent responsible Wait, for booking. She adds this after the fact? Yeah. Oh, come on. Responsible for Why booking. Why wouldn't that be in the original complaint? Exactly. That, that would be the first thing you said. Okay. This is like. Unstable. I wanted to get this thing. Thing and I'm going to keep trying to get this thing very openly. Yeah. Even though I fucked it up in the first place. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep trying to fucked f- it up on the second try. Yeah. Just I'm just going to keep trying to push this thing through that I think I'm entitled to yeah. Elliot Smith's fortune. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that his estate is worth more than he was alive. Yes, I would assume he so. He wasn't doing a lot of touring and he and he was burning through money. Right, and now at least there's a chance for it to accrue. There's no overhead with him. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) right. (laughs) With him being alive, probably not worth that much, but maybe a few million. Oh yeah, for and and it's gonna you know as time goes on. I mean, those are like songs that are I would probably they would probably be considered classic rock at this point. Yeah, I mean, you never know how it's gonna age because there's plenty of stuff that seems like it will, and then it just disappears. I know, think is irrelevant. To I, young I kids. think Elliot Smith is is probably aging a little bit better than do, do, some other things. Do kids like Elliot Smith though? Kids, I don't know. I know that uh, the generation below us, yes. The generation below us, yes. Okay. Millennials like yeah. Elliot Smith. Okay, millennials. Right. Yeah. Okay. So she adds that she was his manager, his agent, responsible for booking and scheduling his appearances for musical performances. This is an amendment. After I'm, several amendments. I'm appalled by, by this. It gets better. After several amendments and dragging a lawsuit out, it was determined that she had not, she didn't actually have a license to be a manager. You have to have a license to be a manager in California and she was not <sighs> licensed to be a manager. So that whole thing got thrown out. That's ridiculous. So this went on for years. Like, I'm sure this was like costing the family like a shit ton of money wasting to defend. People's time. Wasting time, wasting money. And it was, pro- it was expensive for her just to file a lawsuit cost between four to $8,000 just to have a lawyer like do all that research and write the complaint for you and file and, it. You know, and like Elliot Smith was in pretty good standing with his family anyway. Like they, it wasn't a total estrangement thing. So like, no, he was close these, with Ashley, his his half sister. Yes, these people loved him, and they're hearing this after his mm-hmm. death. This is what they're putting up with. To and me, having, that's what's it's like actually a headache. A yeah, headache of exactly. being sued of, of like while you're grieving dem- demands for money. Yeah, demands while for- your child it died, your child died. And and having to deal with this bullshit, unbelievable, crazy. This is all like no matter what to me. This is so amoral that like it's damning. Even if she didn't kill him, she's an asshole for I doing mean, this. I mean, just like like breathtakingly so. You know, they ended up throwing out her claim in two thousand seven. Okay, and she didn't get a dime. 
But one of the interesting things in her, in one of, I don't know if it was the amendment to her complaint, but it's in her complaint. She says, in addition, the lawsuit would have essentially been a referendum on the truth and significance of her relationship with Elliot, especially in light of, so the mother's name, the stepmother's name is Marta Greenwald, who she was suing, especially in light of Marta Greenwald's efforts to publicly denigrate it and even accuse Jennifer of his murder. So wait, Elliot Smith's father's wife? Yes. His okay. father's wife was the executor about... of the of the estate. Oh, She's really? the administrator of the No, the stepmother is the administrator of the of the estate. Any particular reason why? I don't know, but that's how oh, the family he went to live with his father. That's right. He was with his oh, mother because and the, the stepfather fa- because the stepfather the was abusive. Something maybe. Yeah. So the so stepmother when... is the um exec the administrator of the okay, estate. So right. she was sued. Okay. But so Jennifer in her complaint says that Marta even accused her of his murder. So that is like official documentation of what the opinion of the family is. Like even uh-huh. beyond the wink, wink, nod, nod, or wink, right. wink, nudge, nudge of the like statement that they gave out yes. where they were like, you know, considering yeah. the corner, they report. actually accused her to her face of uh-huh. having murdered him. Right. So that's where they, where they stand. stand. Yeah. I really did you know, in 2007, but it doesn't seem like there's it's been, changed. I mean, it no. seems like the same old, the case is still open at least yes. in, it is from 2019. I read that it was, it I, is, I yeah. think if it closed, we'd hear about that and we'd yes. know. So yeah. What a fucking thing. Then she ended up suing her lawyer <laughs> after that for malpractice for fucking up the lawsuit for her. Did she win that? No, that got thrown out as well. Sounds like something that would get thrown out. Yeah. So where we land on all of this, and, and you really should check out rocknyc.live, which is Allison Camus's website where she does like exhaustive research. Like she really has been doing this for years, speaking to like she really has gotten in there and has been speaking with the family and just like close friends. And she she really has been getting the the inside scoop. I originally, before I did any of this research, it just smelled, it just seemed hinky to me. Yeah. So from the beginning, yeah, (laughs) from the beginning, it always seemed hinky. Right. But I, I was open to being proved wrong. Taking it in a different direction. Yeah, it was like, cause you know, I like a, I like an underdog story too. Right. You know, like, oh, maybe she fucking didn't do it. Like I love like a wrongly accused kind of story. It would have to be. I mean, it is, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that. Unlike other conspiracy theories, these are coming from people close to him. You know, fucking family. It's yeah. It's like a credible sort of thing. Family, sound engineer, uh, friends, co-workers, a lady whose studio is in the same building as his. Just people from like kind of all parts of his life. And it's a lot of people, too, because like I, I would normally say, okay, but what opinions aren't we hearing? And indeed, like what have you ever seen anybody say anything nice about her? No. Okay. No. Someone must think something nice about her. Someone so. must, but probably no one that was in his orbit. It's just a lot of people. And um, to me, like it, you know, the the death like matters, obviously. Like I understand like the hunger for the truth here especially because like an artist was taken from us or took himself from us way too early. And that really sucks. Like, I just hate that he's very young. Yeah. He was 34. Yes. To me, the family stuff, those legal documents are unassailable. 
she started that shit. He wasn't even in the ground a year. Mm -hmm. And that is just unconscionable to me. Like I cannot help but judge her for that. Yeah. It's hard to not see her as a bad person for doing that. And petty and to drag it. Okay, maybe you're for like, money. Like she wants money. Yes. Like I don't admire your fucking cause to get like, money it's not from even this like she just estate. Was like, no, because sometimes people sue for like someone to just like they use it as leverage for someone mm-hmm. to be like make this statement that like I I did not murder him. Like because they just they don't want money. They just want someone uh-huh, to like uh-huh. you know stop like denigrating them in public or something. Could could this have been that? No, because she just was clearly going after the money. Like she just like <laughs> never stopped. Yeah. And she kept like making amendments. Actually, I deserved it because of A, B and C. And to D. me, the amendments are just, yes. I mean, it's just damning beyond damning. Like yeah. there comes a certain point where I just can't turn back my opinion of the thing. And that really did it for me. Yeah. That really shaped me. For me, the thing that really turned me around is the her. parents accused her of murder or at least the stepmother did according to according to her according to her according to jennifer in the complaint and the wound on the right arm yeah why would he have a a a forceful wound that left a bruise but but i but there is a scenario in which like that did not go on to you know cause death well bitch ended there but even even if even if I, I, I agree. Murder. It is. She hit him with a fucking suspicious. knife. She hit him with a fucking knife. Yeah, yes, exactly. And then maybe he was so out of it that he felt bad and he took the knife and did it, whatever. It, it, it's incredibly suspicious, obviously. I'm just saying, like, at least there is the semblance of another explanation. You don't get around that lawsuit. And I think it was like, I've yeah. seen these lawsuits play out and I understand the great stress they mm. cause. And it's really an act of aggression to put someone through that, especially. That's if what I was going to say. Like, maybe she was just like mad in the moment and decided to file a lawsuit. You don't carry it on for like three, four years. And then when that avenue is over to then sue her lawyer to try to get money out of him. Yeah. Probably because she didn't want to pay his bill. Yeah. Or whatever it was. Meanwhile, she's hemorrhaging money this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> well, unless. She, they, took, they took it on as one of those things where like they take a, th- a huge percentage yeah, like of half the, of it or something right, or a third of it. Right. And then she doesn't have to pay for any of it. Yes. Which means it's like kind of an ambulance chaser. Right. So right, right, she right. like went to an ambulance chaser lawyer if that's the case. Yeah. Otherwise, she invested money in doing this to his family. Right. Either way, it's not cool. No. So that's our Elliot Smith episode. You know, quite a thing. Okay. Thank you so much. Please leave us a rating or a review. That would be great. I would like that. Yeah. You could check out pipedreams.fun for merch. Check out our spooky collection. It's October. Got some ghosts and witches and monsters and things. You have goblins? I do have a goblin. You want to see him? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's called a glob goblin. (laughs) He's so cute. Yeah, that's definitely a goblin. You draw through his eyeball. If you wouldn't, you know, if you want to listen to my new podcast with Stoya, the pornographer writer, we write a sex and a love and love. You know, I write about love. I write about affairs of the heart, you know, and honestly, common sense too. a lot of the time how to do it. Also, we did a thing last week that we announced, but I want to reannounce it where we're doing a new feature called High or Not, and we want you to call us um, 
and tell us something like give us you know about a minute leave us a vo- voicemail no no more than a minute and we will determine whether you are high or not so 347-450-4239 then what we'll do after that i know that here's where it gets convoluted it's got rules but you know what you should know your rules leave us a message <laughs> We'll talk about it and then we'll reach out to you and and say, we'll text you. Uh, yeah, we'll text you via our Google number and say, hey, were you high or not? And then we'll announce the results and we'll see how well we do. That's how we're doing it right now. <laughs> uh, one prompt you could do is you could tell us about a conspiracy theory that you agree with, uh, have invested money into <laughs> proselytizing <laughs> or merely are curious about no. and would love, you know, you maybe you're open to it being true. Well, I, but you know what? You can also freestyle. So <laughs> do that. Anyway, I think that's um, everything. Patreon.com slash pot psychology. Did we not say that? I don't think we said it. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Well, we got it all mixed up. <laughs> Let's figure that out. Bye. Bye.